What's up, Four Points? Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Man, I sure do wish I was here today because I'm so excited about what's taking place. I'm preaching at one of my best friend's churches in Chattanooga today. But today is so awesome for me because my hero and my own dad, who has an amazing redemption story, gets to share with you this morning. And I'm just pumped. And I just want y'all to know that I love seeing people get saved and I love to celebrate that. I love to see people get baptized. But the thing that I think God's teaching me more than anything else is that a true redemption story of someone that was, was wandering and struggling and, and God brings them back to the fold and then raises them up to do greater things than they ever had done in the past is what just really captures my heart. Some of you in this room right now, that's your story. And dad, I'm proud of you. I'm proud to be your son. And I can't wait for you to share this word with our church today. So four points, stand up to your feet and honor the man that's coming to bring the word that happens to me, my dad on Father's Day. So everybody, let's celebrate what God's about to do in this place. All right, thanks. Good morning, four points. We're looking forward to a great day together. And uh, this is an exciting thing. I'll be honest, I am totally honored to be able to be up here today. Um, I'm thrilled with uh, my, all three of my kids, but to be a, a part of this ministry and have my son as a pastor, um, I told him I thought it was payback for all the times in the upper years bringing him up. And of course, the other thing I thought, you know, I have an opportunity finally to pay him back just a little bit. If some of you have been here for several years, you've heard messages and Mark would use illustrations of how dad abused him. Um, and and he, he went, I violated child labor laws. Um, we, we just have all kinds of stories. And I'd sit there going, he's stretching it just a little. And uh, so anyways, I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to get back. I was going to try on some of his tennis shoes going, you know, they always tell the story, you're filling in some big shoes. And those are big shoes. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, but they're the same size I wear, so I can't say much. But uh, I didn't. I left them on there. But I always think it's interesting. It's always, I always love going into a pastor's office. You can tell a lot about a pastor or a leader when you go into his office. I said, Mark, do people really have to come in here and look at your tennis shoes on his shelves? If you haven't seen it, we need to put a picture of that up, really. Um, but I'm thinking, it's unbelievable. But uh, anyways, I love my son. I love how God is using him. It's just, just exciting to be a part. But I thought, I need you all to have a, a good experience of knowing I, I didn't do the one, you know, you have pictures. I didn't do the one of the baby naked in the bathwater thing, you know, a little tub thing. I didn't go that far, but I want you to see a picture, okay? So we'll, we'll show you the first one. This is when he thought he could play baseball, and he, he thought a lot of different sports. Uh, anyways, next picture. That one, um, he has graduated to a taller bike, still has training wheels, but, um, but no, that's, that's Mark. So I want you to see a couple things of some of my memories of him when he's younger. All right, this is Father's Day. How many fathers? Let me see. Just wave at me. I won't, I won't make you stand. That's great. Congratulations. That's an exciting thing. I want today's message to be a challenge to the dads, and I'm going to tell you a few things about that in a minute, but I want it to be a challenge to everyone. But I will tell you this. No matter where you are right now, dad, in your relationship with your son, your daughter, whatever it may be, the exciting thing with the God that we serve is today's a new day. Amen. Tomorrow will be a fresh start. Isn't it great we serve a God that separates sin as far as the east is from the west when we ask for forgiveness? Yes. How wonderful is that? What, what a promise. Amen. 
And that's the God that we serve. So no matter what the relationship is right now, it, it may be rocky. There may be some circumstances that you're looking going, you just don't know where, where I am right now with my kids, where certain things. Maybe today will be that turning point. And I want it to be something that we, as we talk today about an area of I am the cornerstone, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, that that will, will help us relate to that area. I think most dads are in a place that uh, we like to build things. Now, some are more apt in that area than others to build. Um, some may want to do it in their dreams um, and not try the real tools. Um, but all of us like to build things. Why? Because there's immediate gratification to see something change. We start something and it puts it together. At the end of the day, you look back and say, that's pretty cool. But I will tell you this, the, old, the building thing isn't necessarily just with sticks, stones, and bricks and all that kind of thing. We are building things constantly in our homes, in our own lives. And that's really what we want to look at today is in that area. Would you pray with me real quick as we get started? Father, I thank you for this opportunity today. I pray, Lord, that it will be a time that challenges our lives to realize what you've given us in your word and so many illustrations and stories of these great men um, that you used just thousands of years ago. And so, our Lord, I pray that it become applicable to us. I pray for especially today, anyone that's here not knowing you as personal Savior, that this can be the day of salvation. But then, Lord, that this truly will honor you through what's accomplished in your word. Nothing having to do with me, but all about you and the Holy Spirit and the working through your word. May you bless in this time we have. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to jump in now. I want you to buckle up, okay? And I'm, some people have asked me, and I gotta, I'm going to set this record straight since Mark's not here, okay? We're safe right now. Um, we'll say, were you like that when you were growing up? Let me sum it up in one word. No. No. Mark has taken it up a big step. And some of you that uh, have known me for a number of years and know Mark, uh, he takes everything up one level, no matter what happens, where it is. And he did that for all the years. So if you want to know more, come see me. I'll tell you. Shoot, I'll lay it on. But, uh, but anyways, love him to death. And here's what I want to do, though. Total different style of preaching. I'm probably a little more the teaching side. But I'm going to cover quite a bit of scripture today and been it in two different directions, all relating to the building area. My background is in building. I've been in construction probably 25 years, 15 of the other years. Oh, I'm giving my age here. Right? We won't be too many of those dates, but um, 15 of the other years, uh, 15 in, in Christian education, 25 in building. And so I enjoy building. I enjoy all the different things with it. Um, but there's a lot of things throughout Scripture that they would use illustrations like building, different tools and that kind of thing, because it would relate to the the group that he was speaking to or, or that was being taught. And so I want to go back in this area of the cornerstone into Psalms, and we'll start with this. Verse 22 in Psalm 118 says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is a fascinating thing. We're going to get to 1 Peter in just a minute and, and take it another step. The cornerstone, there were, there were craftsmen, and this we're talking about now in a period of time before Christ, um, as we go into Nehemiah in a moment, that'll be around 450 BC. And they, in their building, they would take, craftsmen would take stones, chisel them down to make more of a cube shape of, of this rock or that they were working with, and it would become the cornerstone. Several import, important facets of that would be that was what they would pull 90 degrees from. You know, today, shoot, I got a laser level, shoot it, and I'm, I'm done, man. I'm flying. I'm, we're, we're building, you know, air guns. You know, I don't know what happened before there were air guns and battery tools. I mean, we don't plug anything anymore. Um, but all this would take place in the beginning of a person going to find the right cornerstone 
to start the building. That was the key, that was the, the heart of what would start in a construction project. It would be placed in the corner. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? I come up, took me a long time to come up with that one. The cornerstone, it would be placed in the corner. It would again become the leveling piece to pull all the walls and everything. It was the heart, the hub of the construction project that was gonna take place. But here's interesting, the stone the builders rejected became the cornerstone. Speaking of Jesus Christ, they, as he rejected him, the perfect cornerstone the builders rejected. Imagine that. The, higher, the more quality in the stone, that they would buy, it would be the higher price that they'd pay for it. But this was Jesus Christ was the cornerstone, and he is in our life. I'm going to use this as an illustration just because I can go out to the store and buy one of these. This is pretty, pretty good shape, okay? I got good 90-degree angles. I can plumb with it. All the things take place with this cornerstone. As we look into some things that are going to happen, I want to keep you, have you keep a visual of this right here. I can't stick it in my pocket. It would be very tough to keep my pants up. No, it, we, we aren't putting it in our pockets. Look, look over in 1 Peter for just a minute and keep this in mind about the cornerstone. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babes, desire the cure, pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that, the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you alike, the living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He's a, the cornerstone in our lives that we can become what the Bible says here, the priesthood. This is pretty fascinating. Most of you know this, and, but I'm going to do refresh it for all of our memories. In Old Testament time, before Christ came to this earth, the priesthood or the temple, the Holy of Holies, all those things that we've learned about in, in Bible study times, or if you're new to this, maybe you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, or you haven't really had time to study you know, in the short time you've been a Christian, whatever the situation, Old Testament times, the priest would mediate between myself and my God. That was the priesthood. That was the whole, the step. The priest would go into the Holy of Holies and ask for forgiveness of sins, do sacrifices. All this would take place because it, he was the mediator through Jesus Christ to the Heavenly Father. When Christ came, remember he said he sent him send a comforter, all these things happened. As, as we get saved today in the church age after Christ came, when I accept Christ into my, into my life as my Savior, I take him and he becomes the cornerstone in my life. I now have complete direct access to the Heavenly Father, not through the priest, not through what they did with the sacrifices and all of that. How exciting is that? As we study today and we get into the book of Nehemiah, they were in that time period where there were sacrifices going on and all this because that's how it accessed to bring pleasure to God and how the communication took place with God. Today, he said that we are building temples and in this area is my priesthood that we are given. I think so often, and I know I'm so guilty of this, I forget what that really means. That means that as they, remember some of the stories on the Holy of Holies? You didn't want to mess up with the Holy of Holies. If somebody went into the temple and got into the Holy of Holies, if they weren't authorized, like the priest was the main one going into the Holy of Holies, they were dead. Now, there wasn't any questions of, oh, three times. No, there wasn't three times. It was dead. We are that priesthood. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Have you thought about that? 
you know, it wasn't, let's come to the temple, let's have the priest go in and do... We have direct access with God. We are that priest. This body is his temple. It says it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore glorify God with your bodies, which are his. We're bought with a price. The picture of him being the cornerstone then, when I accept Jesus as my personal Savior, I have that cornerstone, and I will forever. Now the key is this. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to take this cornerstone? Here, it'd be a sad note for me as a builder to go, man, I'm, I'm so excited about building. I learned all this thing from people, and I, I get my first job, and I'm doing it, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to start it. And I go out there, and I place that first block on a foundation. I'm there. I'm started. And every day I go back and say, you know, I'm looking forward to building this house, building this building, whatever it's going to be. Five years later, I'm going back to the same place. Saying, Someday I'm going to really build that. You'd think, what's wrong with this guy? He's got a cornerstone, he's authorized to do it, he's set to go, and he's not doing a thing with it. What a waste. And yet in our Christian lives, we do that. We've got this cornerstone, we have Jesus Christ, we have the authority of the perfect stone to start our building with, and yet we let it sit. Some will waste their entire life, and at the end of their life, they still have a cornerstone that's their guarantee to get to heaven. Okay, So we've got that guarantee in this. We never lose that. But what a sad note for our legacy that we don't take advantage of that first step and start building on it. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. But the more mistakes, we learn from them, don't we? And so all of a sudden we start seeing it. We are the temple. Are we really going to do something with this cornerstone that he's given us? Or are we going to hide and go, oh, I, you know, I'm just not sure that I know how to do this yet. And that's what so many do. And such, such a waste, such a mistake. The story we're going to look at today is that one that st takes another step into the building side. But I want you to, again, keep this visual of what this is. We are the temple. We are to be building this temple that we've got, this body, because it houses the Holy Spirit within us for all of our life. The next step that we take then is realizing that all of us together become the body of Christ. There's another building opportunity there. As we look at what uh, God wants to do in and through this work right here, that's a place for us to get involved in building, saying, you know, I don't sure, I'm not sure if I know exactly what to do in some of these circumstances. God will show us that. Let's move on. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know him today? I certainly hope so. I have a few. I know they can hear it. The rest of you are still sleeping, or maybe the stone, I don't know. But anyways, if we have that stone, we have the cornerstone, we have a joyful life that can be ours. What are we going to do with it in building this temple? All right, let's move on. We're going to go into Peter now and, and reflect back to what the psalm verse. Now to you, let me start this all again. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone is that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. This is, the, this is a clear picture of a person who doesn't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. It's a life of stumbling. It's a life of wake up in the morning going, oh, great, it's another day. Some have better days than others. But without this precious cornerstone, accepting Jesus as my, as my personal Savior, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified in my life and what's best for it. Next verse. But you are a chosen people. It's us. It's nice to be chosen, isn't it? Don't you like to be picked? 
You know, they line up and say, okay, count off by, one, by twos. I always hated that one, you know, because then it's like, I don't have any choice. You know, but then you get in line and say, all right, we're going to pick. You, you pick the teams, and this one picks you. I always wanted to be first. Usually didn't happen. But, you know, I wanted to be. It's nice to be chosen. We are his chosen people. That's pretty exciting. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Many people spend their whole life going, I'm not sure what God's will is for my life. There it is. Oh, you wanted it more specific. Grab what he's got right here. The specifics fall into place. But start right here. A holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his life. You start declaring that and, and see what happens with all the rest of the specifics. They'll come into place. Next verse. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before the day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins of Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have been committed against you. Okay, history lesson. Whose history was your favorite subject? Let me see it. Great, three. Okay. <laughs> Did anybody have a favorite subject? No, let's go back. This is, this is history class. Whether you like it or not, hopefully this will be someone you enjoy. I hated history class. No. Yeah, I got time to tell you a quick story. I had history and world history. Should have liked it, and now I wish I could go back. But my history teacher had gone through most of world history. Had to be 120 years old. <laughs> I, I'm serious. It, it was awful. We used to count how many times she said, ah. Oh. That's what I got out of history class and what I remember today. But literally, I thought, the lady should know history. She's been through most of it. I, and I don't know why I threw that in. It just came to me. But anyways, that's gone. Has nothing to do with the message. Anyways, history. Let's talk about it for just a minute. Nehemiah. Love this book. Absolutely love this book because it's a story told. Ezra, and it's Ezra and then Nehemiah. Ezra, we think, wrote part of it, I, and, and I believe most of it is a biography a hist of Nehemiah telling the story of what's going on at this time. At this time, remember the, the children of Israel, and again, I'm speaking generically here. Some of you may go, I don't know what you're talking about. Just hang with me, okay? We're going to we'll catch on to that, and uh, we'll explain some others. At this period of time, the children of Israel, God's chosen people during this time, had been thrown all over the countryside, different places, because Jerusalem, the hub city, and Mark's talked a lot, showed you pictures and all this uh, while he was over there, they were dispersed. Nehemiah had never been part of the city of Jerusalem because he, at this point, it was 140 years that they had been dispersed. That's a long time. And it's, you think about that's a few generations since Jerusalem was such a key city in what was going on. The Babylonians had ultimately just destroyed the city. The walls, the city was completely surrounded by walls with nine gates. Um, not going to quote all the gates because I can't. I would, but we're not just not going to do it, okay? But just trust me, there's nine. Um, and those gates all had a specific purpose, and they were all amazing situations for this city, very high protective for what's inside that, that whole city area of Jerusalem. But it had been destroyed, rubble. I'll give you an illustration, Nehemiah says in his book that he attempted to go over there when he got in, and his donkey could not go pass into the city. There was so much rubble, it was unable to walk through. That's not a good sign. That means when you walk up, it's like some of the pictures we see from some of these companies, companies, countries that have been bombarded and all this kind of thing, rubble from the city just laying in buildings all over the place. That's what the shape Jerusalem was. 
When we think Jerusalem, we think, man, back to the story of Bethlehem and Jerusalem, all this stuff, what a great thing. They were in, they were in a bad situation. Children of Israel, the history of them, it would go back and forth. They were following Christ or following God's leading and through the Moses law, all things were going on. And they just, things were going great, what, how God was working in their lives. Then bang, all of a sudden they're building idols. It's like, what happened here? And all of a sudden, then as God told them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You'll be destroyed. You'll be dispersed. So that's where they are at this point. Nehemiah is working for the king of Persia. Now, he had a pretty good situation. Keep in mind, it's no different than other people that would leave another country and end up with, in, in our country and become part of us. And he was the cupbearer for Artaxerxes, who was king uh, in Persia, Persian Empire. It was a great situation, wealthy, um, and he had a good, good position. I personally would not have applied for that job. The cupbearer, if you remember this in history, of course, three of you, um, but if you, if you remember the cupbearer in history, he was the guy that would taste all the food and make sure it wasn't poison. Wouldn't that be exciting to get up every morning going, man, I hope we have another day with no poison food. Um, but that was, that was his main position. However, he had a very high position. He had a lot of influence, and, and he was really placed high, and he became very close with the king of Persia, Artaxerxes. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you have to ask your parents, what did you come up with this name, Artaxerxes? I can get it out, though. Um, but that's where Nehemiah is at this time. He's the cupbearer, has a good position. You know, excuse me, I keep walking into this. We better move this guy or he's going to be side. Um, he was kind of in a place of, you know, I'm good. Got a good income. Family's doing good. Nothing rocking the boat. Things are good. I could cruise. And just leave it alone. And all of a sudden, God's going to use this thing in his life and he's going to go into opposition. Why would you leave a place of comfort for something of com confrontation and all this? Hmm, maybe that's the area where God's will makes a difference. Uh, are you willing to go to battle if he calls you into, into an area? Or are we comfortable sitting back going, I've got the cornerstone, but things are going pretty good right now. I don't want to rock the boat. All right, think about that as we go into it. All right, Nehemiah, let's go on. We have acted very wickedly towards you. This is Nehemiah speaking to God. We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, laws you gave to servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Next verse. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you, your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to a place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. All right, here we bring you back up to date again on the history. Nehemiah has got this cush job, all right, except for the poison food idea. Uh, but he's got, a, he's got a good position and really great relationship with this king. Understand that during the days of these kings, these guys, if they decide they didn't like you or like the color of your hair, or oh, maybe they don't like because you don't have hair, I'm not sure, but no matter what, how these kings, they would make a decision, and if somebody did something even minor, it's, they're, they're dead. I mean, it's real easy. They have all these guards around and say, take him out, throw him lion's den, wherever you want to throw him. So Nehemiah is burdened for what's going on back in Jerusalem because one of his brothers came and told him, he asked me, he said, well, how are things in Jerusalem? And there were little segments of people trying to exist in the city, and that's about all that was going on. 
And he said, it's bad, Nehemiah. I mean, there's nothing. We, we have no defense. The walls are gone. Gates are down. Everything is just it's pitiful, the condition that we're in. And Nehemiah's burdened with this. He starts praying and fasting and just burdened that in God's laying on his heart to say, this is what I want you to do. Wouldn't you go, God, what, what am I supposed to do? I mean, we're talking about a city 150 years ago that's destroyed because the Babylon's and the enemy's destroying us. We disobeyed you, and so this is we're where you told us we'd be. And God said, but you remember the other part of the story? If you'll come back to me, I can pull you back together at the place to honor, again, the God that you serve. So Nehemiah is burdened with this, and it's not good to go in the king and say, King, I, I need a little time off. Um, you know, I, I got a little side job I got. You know, could, are you good without me? That's not a wise move. Not when kings are pretty quick to say, uh, no, I'll replace you. But I think in his countenance, the king started seeing that there was something going on. So the king told him one day, he said, Nehemiah, uh, I mean, I don't see any signs that you're sick. What, what's up? You, you, you just seem sad. And so he poured his heart out knowing, I hope this is okay. Um, poured his heart to the king, and the king said, how much time do you need? I'm not sure it doesn't tell us exactly. I, I think Nehemiah said, look, I need six months to a year. And uh, the king endorsed it, said, I, I'm good with that. Wrote him some letters to get him through some countries to where he was going to Jerusalem. Sent him a few guys with him. And it was, it was a big move by this king for somebody that was not Persian Okay, so this is pretty powerful, knowing that, you know what, the safest place we can be in, where God wants us. Now, we're, we choose the other one going, I feel pretty good right here. You know, cup bear, good job, all this. God says, no, Nehemiah, this is your time to do this. And all of a sudden, the king said, okay, and here's your letters. And Wow, that's, didn't expect that out of the king. Well, you should have. God's in control, then let's follow what he says. So Nehemiah takes his time. He has some leaders going with him and so on like that. But imagine this, he hit some opposition. Have you ever in your life found out, okay, I'm, this is where we're going. We're going to make this move. We're changing churches. We're going to do this. We're, we're going to do this job. We're moving to another place. We're pulling our family together. And all of a sudden you hit some opposition. Anybody ever hit opposition before? Absolutely. If you haven't, get ready. It'll come. Okay? That's part of it. But you know what? That, that's the refining part. That's iron sharpening iron. That, that's okay. Don't, don't let that scare you or shy you off. And ne Nehemiah is going to move forward. Let's go to the next verse. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. All right, so Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem and a little opposition here by a man named Sanballat. There's another one I'm going, would you not wake up and tell your parents, what were you thinking? You know, what? Sanballat? Um, must have been a grandfather or something. We're going to use his name. But Sanballat, another leader from another country, they didn't want this. Jerusalem hadn't been a threat to him at all. They were, they were just laying dormant for 150 years. So Tobiah and Sanballat, two different leaders of two different countries, or involved in two different countries, started saying, we need to shut this thing down because this guy's serious about this, and the last thing we need is Jerusalem back as a, a powerful country. So he gets in, talks to some of the leaders, the people that were left, some came, some came in with him and said, okay, here's the plan. God has burdened me, laid it on my heart. We're going to start rebuilding. And the guys are going, What? Rebuilt? How? Did, have you looked at this? Remember the donkey couldn't get through the thing because the rubble was so bad? Everything's down. It's been burned for years. Nothing worse than a burn smell anyway. That's nasty. And so there they are, and they're going to rebuild. And they said, all right. Another place in the book said that the people had a mind to work. That's a great verse. That's, mm. 
I, I share that with my, some of my workers. Uh, that's it's a good verse, okay? Um, but they decided, all right, so they're going to start building and start this thing, so it's, it, it's under process. Next verse. When Sanballat, remember he's the guy we talked about, love his, love his name, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. Have you ever been ridiculed? Absolutely. Is it fun? No. But is it most likely going to happen? Yes. It can be because of jealousy, ulterior motives, whatever it is. But guess what? As I'm in this battle building this temple, building this temple of our church, there's going to be ridicule. You're going to have some, and sometimes the sad part is sometimes it happens within. But no matter what, we've got a, we've got a task before us. The people had a mind to work, and how exciting to see then the result as, as we do it. Next verse. And in the presence of the associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore this wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Just a tad sarcasm here. Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Next. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break it down, break down their wall of stones. They're, they're, they're trying everything. They tried op different opposition things to stop Nehemiah and these workers. And so now he's going, okay, well, they got that wall up. Can you imagine them standing outside going, man, if a fox walked across your wall, it would fall back down. That would really motivate you, wouldn't it? Have it can't we relate to this in our walk? When we hear a comment from somebody, we just, it just takes wind of our sail. Going, ah, pff, man, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And all of a sudden, we're sitting back going, I, I think I'll step away for a little while. You know, maybe it's time for me to, you know, I think I just need to get a little break from church. And so instead of having a mind to work, instead of motivated to move forward and be around the ones of the encouragement because we're all working together, we have the pity party time. We sit back and go, yeah, maybe they're right. And we sit back and allow the outside, the ridicule, to, to shut us down. Next verse. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back to their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover us up with guilt. Blot out the sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. That's, I like this guy. He's saying, can you handle this for me, God? Please just get them out of here. Put them in the place that they deserve. And I, think, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad prayer sometimes. When we're getting ridiculed, getting outside... We want to take care of the enemy ourselves. Hey, God has a better plan. Put it in his hands and let him take care of it. Is there another verse right there? Who are building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand, held the weapon the other, and each of the builders wore his sword his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. I love this picture, and I want, to, I want us to use this as kind of a focus at this point. When we're in a process building today, I don't have to have anybody with a machine gun sitting outside to keep the enemies away. Now, I'm not saying that there's not countries that probably get pretty close to that, but we don't have that as an issue. But at this point, there was so much opposition and countries wanting to make sure that Jerusalem didn't come back, they actually had to be 24-7, had people guarding it. But I love this picture, and I brought this to help, again, just with us. I'm a very visual person, so it helps to have something to do. This is a trowel. If you've not seen one, this is not something you eat with, okay? This, this is for laying block. Well, you don't even, 
you didn't get that. I was supposed to be a joke. You really hurt my feelings, but no, that's all right. But this, this trowel is for laying brick and block, okay? So this is the picture, the work that was going on. And they would have used something similar to this, spreading a mortar-type base to uh, get all that rock together to build these walls back up. But think of the cumbering situation that they were keeping a sword strapped to their side while they're building the walls, even though they had some did nothing but keep it on guard and all this. So they were working, trowel in one hand, sword in the other. And the more I thought about that picture, I thought, you know what? That's not a bad idea in the Christian life. Because sometimes, you know, we'll work and work and work, and then we realize, man, the enemy's surrounding us. I mean, I've got a lot of opposition here. I'm discouraged. I'm disappointed. Um, I've got family. I've got different people that have said that. And, and then we get down because of why? We weren't staying alert to what was going on with the enemy. Ephesians talks about the armor of God and why we're supposed to have it. Why? Because the attacks of Satan, the attacks of the enemy around us. So these guys were working, and they built these walls back, by the way, which is amazing, in six months. And it wasn't, hey, pick up the phone and call so-and-so and have them come on over with its construction. Bring the big trucks over on this one. No, I mean, we're talking about handwork to rebuild this stuff. Had to clean the stones. They won't go back together if they're all sooty and that kind of stuff. Had to clean the stones so they could be built back on a wall. Did it in six months. That is phenomenal. Sort of like the pyramids in Egypt. It doesn't make sense how they did it. And it didn't on this rebuilding. But I do know this. The, the people had a mind to work, and they were wise because of following their leader who knew how to delegate, and everybody took a gate and all the rest of the things and started rebuilding. And as I was thinking about this with, the, uh, with spreading these leaders out and all the people coming in to help, there were the nine gates, and people were assigned gates and said, okay, this is your gate. You're going from here to this one. This is your part of the wall to build. I got thinking about that in the building thing of us as a church, the body of Christ. You know, we got a bunch of gates right here at Four Points. We got a children's gate. A parking lot gate, a greeter's gate. We got all these different things. You know what the purpose of all those different areas of involvement's for? It's so that we can be so effective that people say, wow, look at that. I bet I'd like to go through into that. Those are gates. Those are uh, avenues to get in. And we all become part of it to see things built. There are so many churches today, and this breaks my heart because it's not a competitive thing. There are so many churches today that are doing nothing. You know why? They're inside bickering. They aren't concerned about what gate can I be a part of to help build. They're worried about, did you see what they were? <laughs> Who cares? All right? But we get into all this stuff, and Satan has got such a grasp that we're not building. And then let's go back to our personal temple here. There are so many distractions, so many things that keep us from doing what God wants us to do with this house that we're housing the Holy Spirit that we don't build. We're back to this picture. I've got my way to heaven. I've got a cornerstone. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, but there's no legacy because I've done nothing to build this temple. I think as a builder, one of the exciting things that I'm glad I'm in construction is again, at the end of the day, I can look at something and go, man, it's working now. Man, that part, look at that. We got that part on, the roof's on. Uh, we, my group rewired a house yesterday. It's cool. At the end of the day, everything works, which is always a good thing with electrical. Uh, everything worked and we got it done. There's a reward just in that feel of something be accomplished. In our Christian lives today, so many never get the reward because you're not building. You're not experiencing what God wants you to do with this cornerstone of what you've done with Christ. I hope you'll think about something. I want to show you a picture real quick. This is how you don't want to come home in the afternoon to your home. 
Um, do you agree or do you want to see one of these? I mean, it'd be a rough day, wouldn't it? You come home and go, great, just had to be my house. Now, I can do a couple different things. When I come home and I see a tree laying on my house, I can go, I'm going to move. Probably not going to happen, right? That, that'd be a tough decision to make. Or I go, I'm going to wait and see if it goes away. Probably not going to go away. Now, the wiser move is probably going to be cut the tree. What do I want to do? I want to protect my house, right? If I leave that open, most likely it's punching through holes, it's torn off some shingles, and I'm going to have leaks. Give that about a month. And you imagine what the house is going to be like inside. Why? Because of the damage that's caused in there. In our Christian walk, in building these temples, you know what? We're going to have some setbacks. We're going to have opposition. Sandballot's going to come and go, <laughs> you think you're a Christian? Well, I know what you did. Oh, that's right, man. And I'm going to go crawl in a corner and eat worms. Why? I look at this as Nehemiah said, okay, there's a plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're cutting that tree off. We're going to tarp it for now. We're going to build this thing back. We're going to make it work, and we're going to move on. Is it a setback? Absolutely. But what are we going to do? Are we going to allow it to destroy us or, or just absolutely knock us out of the picture? Now, here's another picture. How would you like to come home to this one? If you call me and say, Ken, could you come look at my house? I'm going to come over and say, okay, I just looked at your house. Um, that's a challenge right there, right? That could ruin your day big time. May not be living in that one because it's going to take more than a tarp. But I want to give you a word of encouragement. That's still there. We look for things sometimes to go, I just don't think I can... You know what? That's a huge setback. If that was done to a house, it's going to take some serious demo to get down, but I know that I've got that foundation. I can't just say, I've got to walk away from this. This body is what he's given me. It is where the Holy Spirit is housed. This is a temple. We then, in a cooperative area, are the body of Christ, and we have an opportunity to build something. So the people from outside go, you know, I see those gates. I wonder what's on the other side. They see us come out individually going, I, something different about them. I have a habit. I love going into restaurants and trying to figure out if the waitress waiter is a, a Christian or not. By the countenance, by the attitude, and a lot of times I'll take an opportunity when I can to ask them. But I think I'm pretty good at spotting it. What are people spotting in your life? Can they see you've got a cornerstone? Can they see that you're building this temple? Can they see that Four Points, cooperatively, as a body of Christ, is building together? Would you pray with me? The first thing I want to ask is, not knowing everybody, and we may have some visitors here today, and again, we welcome you big time. I mean, we're just thrilled that you'd come see us today. But I want to ask you something. You say, I don't really understand a bunch of stuff that you've been talking about. Is the first issue possibly that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? That, that you don't have a cornerstone, you have nothing to build upon, you're just living life waiting to see what the next catastrophe is, because you don't have a cornerstone. You don't have the foundation to build in your life. That first step is accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you're in a place today, you say, Ken, I, I haven't. I've never trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to pray for you. 
and I want to let some of our folks put something in your hand. But if you say, would you pray for me? I've never accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Would you just raise your hand real quick and take it right back down? Is there anywhere in here today that would do that? That feels that that's, that's the situation. I've never accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. All right, then to the rest of us, let me ask you this. You say, Ken, I got saved 20, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. It doesn't, doesn't matter how many years ago. But I, I've just never, never built, didn't think about this being the temple that I'm supposed to be building because I've got a cornerstone. I've, I've got the freedom to build this because of what he's given me. I want you to pray for me because I want to start building something of this life, of what God's given me, and I want to see some changes in what's going on. And then I, I want to see changes on in my involvement with this body of Christ, with this temple here, of what he's doing and what, what people can see and become a part of. Anybody would say, Ken, would you pray for me today? I want to see some building happening in my life. I want to utilize this temple. Yes, thanks. Any other hands? Yes. See, several hands. Yes, thanks. Yes. Many, many hands. That, that's great. That's tremendous. Here's the key. You know what? The past, that's a key word. That means it's behind. It's done. Let's not let the past keep going so that it's, I don't know if we'll ever get beyond this. Get beyond it. Let God use you by building and using the sword and the trowel, the tools, so we can build our lives and see great things done for the work of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, may you allow the hands of today with those raising their hands to see the building go on, to move forward and see what you want to do in their lives for, the, for your glory and for eternity. And may we honor you through every move, every decision that's made. We pray in your precious name. Amen.